Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCartney, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello, good morning, good afternoon and good evening, depending on where and when you are listening to this current edition of The Plotting Shed. Thank you very much, by the way. I do appreciate all your comments and all of those who are listening and get in touch or drop me an email it's it's really nice to to know what you think so thank you very very much for and do please keep sending them in or if you just want to send in pictures and say this is my garden it's just nice to know that there is a connection that i can think oh so and so living over there has got this garden and hopefully what i'm saying and and what i'm trying to do in these podcasts is is helpful for you so the feedback is is really appreciated so this week i was thinking i would talk about those people who have acquired a garden or an outside space for the first time ever so i thought i would go through what my take of it would be so where do you start and what do you think about because there are just so many decisions that you seem to be having to think about making. I do have a post on my website, I'll put the link on the, on the show notes, called the seven best garden design tips. So I'll go through those, but there's also a couple of other little things that I will add to that. One of the things that you need to understand about designing a garden is where the costs of a garden come from because it's very easy to start creating ideas and building in massive costs. So all hard landscaping, obviously, and all hard landscaping changes are without doubt the most expensive aspects of creating any garden. And I I spoke about this a couple of podcasts ago, that a lot of landscapers and garden designers, you know, create new shapes and build new things because that's where they can build in the revenue stream that they need to run their businesses and sometimes those things I don't believe are are totally necessary. So first piece of advice before anything is if you can adapt your garden without with making as minimal hard landscaping changes as possible accept this point because it's your first garden you are going to make mistakes and you are going to learn from those mistakes. So it is a very sensible move to say that you will minimize the maximum expenditure, because if you make a mistake with that, it is far more costly to put it right. If you're going to make some hard landscaping changes, how can you make those as changeable as possible should you not get it right in the first place? So, for example, maybe if you're thinking about having a seating area, don't start off with expensive paving and lighting. 
fire pits and all these kinds of things. Start it more simply. So if it turns out it's not what you need, it's easier to change it in the future and you're not committed to having something that then is, is wrong for a very long period of time. Having a fabulous patio with colourful lights doesn't make your garden better. It just makes it cost more. It might make it a bit more practical to, to walk on, but so will lots of other surfaces that don't cost as much. And I think nowadays as well, before you start making hard landscaping changes, especially with all the things about climate change and the fact that we're going to be having to, to look at our carbon footprints more, just take a little bit of time to think about whether you can dual purpose something. For example, once again, I went to the Landscaper Show last year. There was a company that was finding that they can cover an existing patio with the um, resin bonded gravel, which actually was quite nice to walk on. It had a, it was a rough texture, but it was still quite nice to walk on. But underneath that, they could put in a ground source heat pump. So it's just sort of starting to think ahead and, and dovetailing certain things together that might be a good idea. My seven top tips for you if you are going to be faced with this brand new garden and the thought process that you need to have. So, first of all, plan the garden around the best place to sit. Then, don't make borders, make shapes. And I'll explain that in a minute. Two tips about fences, because most modern gardens and most small gardens have a, a visually very high percentage of your view is taken up from fences. First one of those is don't follow the fence line with any of the border shapes. And secondly, for at least one of the fences, do not be able to see all of the fence in one go. And I'll get, explain why that is in, the, in a minute. If you have a path, then don't make it go only to the shed because you will make the shed more visually important. And then with regards to the planting, two tips. Tip six, 80% of the plants in your garden should do good as well as look good because that way you encourage biodiversity, but you also bring stuff into the garden for free that makes your garden more interesting. And lastly, plan the planting from eye level down, not from the feet up. Plan the garden around where you sit. Now, no matter what we do in the garden, everyone likes to sit outside. The sun will always shine in the same places in the garden. No matter where you think the patio should go, you will invariably put your chair at the part where you can sit in the sun in the morning and have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, and you will have somewhere where you try and get the last vestiges of sun in the evening. Now in a small garden, you might only have space for one seating area. So decide when you are more likely to use that space. Is it going to be more likely to be used in the mornings or are you more likely to be using it in the evenings? So that's where the, the seating area should go and everything else emanates from that. The reason I say don't make borders 
and make shapes is if you have a look at the uh, post that I've done that, that links to this particular podcast, you'll see there's a picture of a garden where they've created all these raised borders and the lawn is very much fitted in afterwards and it all looks just a little bit muddled and messy. You need to consider your eyes are always drawn to the biggest, the largest, the most visually dominant and also straight lines. So if you're going to make a, a lawn, that will be the biggest shape in the garden. Get that shape looking right. Create that as being the main shape first and then everything else fits in around that. The plants will hide awkward shaped borders. They'll just fill the gaps. That's what they're there. They do that really, really well. So if you concentrate on making the big shapes visually pleasing, all the other bits will seem to fit together. Now, in terms of the fences, I just said, don't follow, don't make any of the lines of your garden follow the fence lines. Because again, it's, it's part of how humans see and we visualize things. And you know, if you see a straight line or you see a curve or anything that's line, it draws your eye and you follow it to the end. So if the end of the line is just another fence, all we're doing is emphasising the bit that, of the garden that we don't really enjoy looking at, which is where the boundaries are and the fences are. We have to create lines and shapes that compete with those straight lines and the straight lines of the house. If you put a new line in that goes at a different angle to the fence and you make that a really strong statement by, for example, instead of having, if you've got a rectangular garden, instead of having a rectangular lawn, you could make a diamond shaped lawn or you could tilt the lawn so it's at an obtuse angle to the fences, all of which makes another strong definite line that you look at which if we then plant around and have things in there that are nice to look at, means that you naturally concentrate on that area and not the straight lines of the fences saying, this is the end of your garden and that's the next person and the next person next door. Similarly, if you can see the top line of all of the fences, no matter how beautiful your patio or beautiful your lawn, you will notice the boundaries far more. So if you can take at least one of the fences and break it up by having things that grow above the fence line, then it makes that, that visual impact lessen. I've just done a garden where what we've done on one part of the fence is they're going to hang some large wall mounted troughs uh, at the top of the fence, then, then we're going to plant those with some very drought tolerant uh, grasses because they don't need much water, they don't need much food, they can tolerate poor soil. But those grasses are just going to dance and sway in the breeze. Now I can guarantee you, you'll be looking at the grasses moving and not at the fence. So that's what I mean about breaking up the particular fence line. Paths in small gardens are always a bit tricky because you haven't got much space to, to play with. And if you've got a shed or if there is a gate, there is obviously a practical element to having the path. But again, 
what happens is when you put any form of path in, if it's a straight line or whatever, it creates a strong visual impact in a small garden. Now, you can't have this meandering path to get to a shed in the garden because you just won't use it. There is no way on earth if you've got a shed 30 feet away and you make the path go in a circuitous route to the shed, you're not going to walk that path. You're just going to walk straight across the grass to the shed because we're inherently lazy and we do things the most efficient way and that's the way to go to the shed. So it's a bit more of a tricky situation working out what the path is going to do. But if the path went to the shed and went somewhere else as well, you couldn't see all the way to the shed because you had something that stopped visually. Maybe it's a, a, an archway over the path. Anything that breaks up that line of the direct route from here to the bit of the garden that's never the most attractive, as the shed or a gate, anything that will break up that line will help the path feel less visually impactful. I would always try and make the path as complementary to the garden as possible. Sometimes paths, again, if you see hard landscaping, you know, the path is beautifully built and it's edged and it might have a different colour to the the main paving so it's edged with red brick or it's a nice white you know lighter colored paver in the middle but the combination is very jarring against what's in around it so you can make the path disappear a little bit more if it appears more muted i don't need to notice the path it's something that should be there but not jump out at you so just maybe have a think about how you can make the path as minimal and small as possible whilst still being a functional pathway. Now, lots of people put ste stepping stones in lawns and things like this to get across to a garden. Although those have a smaller impact, because they are such a different colour from the grass, they're a really noticeable dotty spotty line across a lawn. And Personally, I would always try and take a path to the edges and keep a clean lawn if, I could, if, it, if that is possible. Now, lastly, in terms of the planting, and this is always the bit that people find most difficult when starting a new garden. That's quite understandable because you don't know a great deal about plants. When you are starting to look for plants to put in the garden, it's something I've discussed a lot in the past, and it's about how gardens should make you feel. So I would really strongly suggest that before you consider any plants, you consider how the garden is going to make you feel when you're sitting outside on a chair, on a sunny day, in the summer, and you are surrounded by your garden, what's inside your head? Because this is the most important thing. What is the garden going to have to deliver you in order that you can enjoy being in it? And from that, you can kind of create a mood board. 
So again, I've got a few articles on my website which will help you go through this process about how do you start a garden and garden design for beginners and all the rest of it. I'll put the links on the, on the show notes. But this is the fundamental thing. If the garden is going to make you feel relaxed or feel private, it's your escape from the world. If it's going to be your happy place, if it's going to be this sensory experience, all of those will help you choose plants because it's much easier to go into a garden centre not knowing and understanding the names of the plants that are there, thinking, I am looking for green, orange and yellow. I'm looking for touchy-feely plants. I'm looking for big, happy flowers. I'm looking for plants that will make a scent if I brush past them. Now, you might not know what plants are out there that do that, but at least if you're walking up and down the aisles in the garden centre, if there is a plant with happy flowers that makes you smile, or another one that you've touched and you've sniffed your hand, oh, that smells lovely, those are added to your list. You can buy those because those are the ones that are going to fit the bill to deliver what you need your garden to do. And again, if you go to a garden centre or a flower show, look at the plants on display. Which ones have bees and butterflies around them? Because if they haven't got any and they're in this massed garden centre, then those plants have no attractive aura for insects. So you're putting something in your garden that's visually pretty, but that it doesn't do much. So if you can put plants in the garden that tap into your touch, taste, sight, sound and scent, you will also bring in beneficial insects. You'll bring in ladybirds and hoverflies and lacewings. You'll bring in butterflies and moths. You'll bring in bees and you will then create little ecosystems. And I can guarantee you that you will watch bees on your flowers. It's the flowers and the plants that make a garden. Don't forget that. Everything else in the garden is just simply there to help you enjoy the flowers and the plants and what flowers and plants do. Now, lastly, I've said plan your planting from eye level down. The way you need to go and, and start planning things is if I'm sitting in the sitting room and I look out of my window or through the patio doors and I shut my eyes and I open my eyes, what is the thing that instantly I look at first? Now, if that's a good thing, great. But if it's not a good thing, then that's the first thing you have to look at what you need to plant the plants to disguise or camouflage or draw your attention from. Because if you're walking around the garden and looking at eye level and what you're seeing are, are plants and flowers and the scents and things going on, the garden is going to be delivering to you at the level that you're at. You don't look at your feet all the time when you're walking around the garden. So if you start with those and then you fill in down and up, the garden will be a much more balanced 3D image. Now, if you um, have been very good and bought my book, and again, very much, thank you very much if you have, you will see in the book there is a section I've got in there about, about designing with box shapes. And it's a way that 
first-time gardeners can create a look in your garden without having to think about what plants are because we, we're, we're creating the visual shapes using a very simple drawing method that everyone can do so that you can see whether you can hide the bits of the garden that you don't want to see and create bits of the garden that you do want to look at. So if you have a look at that, it will show you how to design and create the shapes. And then I've given a section in the book for plants that very roughly fit into those box shapes. So then you can begin to choose which plants would go where. And if I want an orange one or a red one or a blue box, then you can build different colored boxes to create the design that you want. But I know I've given an awful lot of information in a short little podcast. So you will need to go and read through some of the articles, hopefully, that, that would just reinforce what I've said. The garden doesn't have to be something. It doesn't have to be a style. It doesn't have to be a designed space in the sense that you've coordinated this, that and the other. It's your first garden. So the priority for you as a first-time gardener is to make sure that the space that you have created is functional, delivers what you need it to deliver in terms of how it's going to make you feel, but that you create something that is changeable without having to have a massive capital expenditure. Because you're not going to get it right first time. Nobody does in gardening. And trying to create this perfect design first time is is probably a step too far for most people. So let's get 80% of it right. But the 20% that you might want to change later, it is better that you have not built in lots of hard landscaping so that that ends up being the 20% you've got to change because it's not working for you because that's the most expensive part to change and have to adapt. So it's just about being practical and thinking ahead but giving yourself something to garden in the first place or giving yourself a space you enjoy being in. And hopefully it gets you started on the process. But gardening is very much that. It is a process. It's not like decorating a bedroom where once you've painted the walls, put the carpet down, put the mirrors on, put the pictures up, it's done. Gardens change and evolve over time as you do. And so you have to build in this ability to change and adapt things if they haven't worked for you in a couple of years time. So thank you very much for listening. I wobbled on enough today on on garden design. Not that it's something that's close to my heart, but there we are. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Do, as I say, please do send me some comments, put some emails, send me some pictures. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and I will see you all next week. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. 
You can also donate if you go onto the website plotplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week, enjoy your garden, take care and stay well.